Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome to uh, May 4th. A sunny, beautiful May 4th. And uh, it's a Monday. Why am I hearing strange little things in my ear? Um, and uh, in this wonderful year of 2020. Okay. Um, it certainly helps that the sun is out there today. Because <laughs> Mondays can be rough. Although Mondays are like th- Thursdays are like Saturdays are like Sundays. Pretty much. So what do I want to talk about? I have to tell you something that happened um, after I last spoke to you on Thursday, if I may. It has nothing to do much with any of you know this. Um, I was walking my dog. Well, actually, this happened the day before. I was walking my dog and noticed, never mind, I'm telling this out of order. I'm tell- I didn't mean to scream in your ear. Telling us out of order. The dog jumped. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'm walking the dog, the aforementioned dog, and I'm walking onto a little cul de sac area of uh, my neighborhood that I discovered after having a dog to walk. Would never have ventured down this, it even says private road, although why I can't imagine because it's you know, looks like every other little little street. Um, and I, as I walked onto this road, I see an ambulance approaching. And uh, it didn't have its lights on, so I didn't, you know, like freak and jump out of the way. But it was turning right where I was turning, so I did, you know, quickly move. And... As I rounded the next corner, there it was, and in front of it was a fire truck, which is not an unusual sight if you call 911 in this town, um, as I had reason to do once. Um, A fire truck shows up. You know, you, you want a paramedic, a fire truck shows up, which at the time I found strange, but uh, it, it was nice to have those firemen come in and at least calm me down because my son couldn't breathe. And and then the an ambulance came at any rate. Uh, so I said, wow, something's going on here. But no lights were on. And then as I kept walking and got closer, <laughs> I see two, three, maybe four police cars. And this is an extremely, uh, you know, sort of bucolic, um, quiet, uh, lovely residential neighborhood. And it just all looked so out of place. And, and I, I, I didn't know what to make of it. I couldn't figure it out. The more I walked, the more things got stranger. Uh, it's a curving kind of a road. And as I neared uh, more of the curve, there were motorcycle police. <laughs> and these guys, I mean, the bikes were all parked and they were up and talking to each other and stuff. Some guy uh, came toward me and um, maybe just seeing the 
puzzlement on my face said, uh, "There's don't worry, don't worry, there's nothing happening here, nothing happening here, which of course makes you think something's happening here. <laughs> there's nothing happening here. No. Um, and he said, without me asking, I didn't say anything, he said, it's for a birthday. And that he kept walking past me. And I'm left with looking at this, all this emergency equipment and the, and the people who come with it, EMTs and fire people and uh, police officers. And I'm looking at all this and thinking, nothing's happening here. It's a birthday? <laughs> Couldn't figure it out. You try to figure it out. I kept walking. Um, I turned off the street and went up about a block and found myself on a street that's uh, very near to, you know, that my house actually comes off of. And I, and there I saw a small little group of people standing around, some with dogs on leashes, some with masks on, some not. Um, but one of the houses on the corner had big balloons on it. And um, I mean, all just, you know how in this day and age, everything everything seems strange. <laughs> Often things that normally wouldn't have attracted your attention seem strange. And then, and then normal things seem strange by virtue of their... Uh, oh, I'm incoherent today, aren't I? You never know, because you're the first people I talk to. I didn't know I was incoherent. Anyway, there's balloons, and there's lots of people. And I have to tell you, it wasn't a great day. It was sort of, you know, low 50s and drizzle. And um, as I walked toward that group, obviously, I started to figure things out. Birthday, something's happening. It's for a birthday. Then I realized that this thing, these cops and other people were going to do what? A little drive-by at the house with the balloons? And then I saw the sign. Some people had been standing in front of it, and it said, 100. Aha. Someone in that house is 100 years old today. And obviously, yes, someone had asked if the city could do anything to, this is all, again, my conjecture, but I assume. So I, I, I walked toward the group. I saw what appeared to be the 100-year-old birthday boy uh, sitting on the corner, looking damn good. I mean, really good. Um, and I asked someone who was holding a sign that said, happy birthday, John. I said, um, that's John, I take it. He said, yeah. I said, was he like involved in, uh, in the Pittsburgh police or in public safety in some way? And the guy looked at me like I was nuts. And, um, I said, no, huh? He said, no. I said, well, there's a whole bunch of cops and fire trucks around the corner. And, and he said, 
aha, we were told that something would happen at 4 o'clock and that John should be outside. So that was all of two minutes to four. The motorcycle, you could start hearing them revving, and eventually they came, and uh, six motorcycle cops riding two by two by two were the first that came and rum. Uh, you know, in front of the hundred-year-old man who stood up and uh, saluted them. And then the fire trucks and the ambulances, I thought maybe the ambulances in case the hundred-year-old guy like drops dead. I mean, jeez, I can't believe this. So, and on and on and on and on, and they they kept coming, and it was um, all over in a second, and it was all for this, to give this hundred-year-old guy a thrill. And it really was very lovely. <laughs> there was, the, you know, the curmudgeon in me was thinking, don't these cops have better things to do? An, uh, an ambulance could be needed somewhere. Um, but there it was, and um, as, as I uh, and the dog walked away, I turned back, and I saw uh, someone clearly reading a proclamation <laughs> to uh, to the birthday guy. Uh, you know, they probably made it uh, whatever his name is day in in Pittsburgh. And the guy reading the proclamation looks a little bit like uh, the mayor, but I can't be sure. This is it was in the mayor's neighborhood as well, so I don't know. But it was really it was something very sweet and I didn't tell the story well and um, it was was a nice thing and different than you know so sorry I really can tell I'm not I thought I was feeling really good today and I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking straight here's another wonderful thing that happens People, that was my dog dropping his bone, people standing in their yards or on their front porches playing a musical instrument. And um, I have seen three such demonstrations on my walks, and it is so wonderful. The first was a, a girl playing the heck out of a violin. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I just stopped and, and took it in. You know, you close your eyes and there's this glorious music. Uh, my backyard neighbor on his clarinet. And I'm people who are doing this, assuming they can play, which in all my cases has been the case. Um, it's just a lovely gift to to give, as far as I'm concerned. Unless, of course, you're the next door neighbor who hates uh, music and is trying to take a nap. I don't know, but the heck with you. So. I think that's the only stuff I have that's like uh, that's not the usual, which is to say, da 
depressing. I was thinking um, sometime this after, this weekend, excuse me, this afternoon, sometime this weekend, Jesus, where's the head? That we Americans have been, by virtue of our success, um, as a, a people and a country, by virtue of our wealth and power, uh, by virtue of also the um, ethic we have of of personal liberty and and freedom and uh, making your own way, Americans, I would submit are probably the most ill-equipped people to deal with what's happened and is happening. Because we Americans grew up thinking we were immune. An apt pun. Immune from the horrors that we would see beset other peoples of the world. The wars on their own soil. The, you know, whatever. The, the, the horrific uh, governmental turmoil or religious turmoil or or whatever, but it didn't happen here, right? That was our sense. Americans, we just keep on going. This is a special place. We are exceptional. Very little is asked of us, and we get so much. Freedom. We are as ill-equipped as a people could be (laughs) to handle something that we could never imagine. We don't have the kind of internal, societal, emotional, financial resources of a people who were tempered by past upheaval and difficulty. We don't have we don't have any muscle memory here. We don't have any we we feel we felt I'm sorry, we felt invulnerable in so many ways because we always had been. Seemed that way. And so I the the other aspect that this very American ideal of of uh, individual liberty and pursuing happiness as if that was the be all and end all, and it turns out that individual liberty can be a detriment in times like this which is how we end up 
with those yahoos with their guns in the Michigan State House and on California beaches and in Minnesota and Maryland and here, you name it, downtown in Pittsburgh. These are people who grew up thinking that they and only they were important and that this was the birthright of an American not to have to listen to anybody, not to be told what one must do. That's not how Americans operate. And the inability of so many people to understand that the only way each of us gets to a better place from this is if we see ourselves as part of something much, much bigger so that the actions we take have a ripple effect. And so we must think of others. Turns out this is an un-American kind of a thing. And we are, I'll say it again, ill-equipped. Don't have a clue. And I also want to say I'm really astonished at the lack of horror that I saw or and or didn't hear on social media and news media, regular media, about these armed people intimidating our legislatures. Um, those pictures to me looked frighteningly un-American. Although on the other hand, they were quintessentially American because this, this sense of I, 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 this, this taking of the Second Amendment to absurd interpretive degree, allowing people with, with, a, with weaponry that could destroy everyone else in the room that allows them to come into a legislative chamber while it's in session. And yet, what's not allowed is carrying a sign in. That is not allowed. You cannot carry banners or signs. AK-47s, no problem. This is an America that has gone insane and is consequently ill-equipped and consequentially ill-equipped. And the fact that I didn't see like it, to me, that would be front-page 
absolute horror and condemnation. These are terrorists. I mean, when you when you bring guns into a chamber, a legislative chamber of the people's representatives attempting to do their business, and you glower down on them with guns, I mean, obviously, that's an attempt at intimidation, minimally, right? It's also terrifying, terror. It's terror that in Michigan, and for all I know in other states, I'm sure, that it is legal to do so is taking this American ideal of individual freedom, especially as it has to do with with killing machines, to the degree which we have eh, allowed. And all these fools, these, I mean, what's so, they don't get it. They don't understand that what they are telegraphing just so baldly is their own fear. They're scared shitless. And like a child, they're posturing. And in some cases, I guess, just play-acting at something they've been itching to do anyway. Give me an excuse. Give me an excuse. But I just must say that I... uh, I I find them terrifying. And it does turn out that this pandemic is creating, uh, again, fertile ground for for the idiots and the lunatics and the misreaders of everything that America and its founders intended that the, these people see this pandemic, obviously, as a way to coalesce even more. And by these people, I do mean extremists, domestic extremists. We could call them domestic extremists heading very close into domestic terrorists, or you can just flat out say domestic terrorists. They view any kind of chaos and trouble and never-before-seen governmental actions, they see that as a chance to turn people, turn them to their apocalyptic point of view. And so, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Telegram, 4chan, gambling sites, there is huge uptick in these extremist groups using this to flex their muscles, to show their power. Do you know how many bored, maybe teenage boys who have nothing to do, who are fooling around online, 
would look at some of those pictures of these men as if they're going into battle, standing in front of state capitals, barring people entry. This looks exciting. Now, these guys have been hoping that a race war will be what will topple the federal government. That's been their sense. But the pandemic, that offers uh, a new opportunity. Now, I'm going to tell you about a word that I just learned about that now I hate that we have to learn this crazed subcultures language but the term the boogaloo believe it or not it's like pepe the frog pepe the frog remember that jeez you take a cartoon character and turn him into a you know a hitlerian uh logo well boogaloo which i thought was a dance is their terminology for the Second Civil War. They want the boogaloo. And that term, by those who like watch this stuff, has been spiking on social media. Advice on how to prepare for it, advice on how to accelerate its coming. Where does the boogaloo come from, that name? Uh, according to people who track this stuff, it comes from the 1984 uh, movie, uh, awful, awful, awful movie that I guess some people liked because it became a cult classic called Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so boogaloo some people called it big igloo some people called it the big luau if you've been paying attention you've seen that some of the people in these um, demonstrations are wearing hawaiian shirts and that comes from those who call it the big luau they just play on words they call themselves the bujahadeen or the boog. There are some 120 plus groups on social media that are pushing this. So, you know, the next time you see one of these uh, demonstrations, understand what it is you're, you're looking at. These are the people who are the domestic terrorists. Although I assume some of the people in the group may be clueless in terms of who they are consorting with. But these are the guys who Trump also gives comfort to. And Trump, I believe, trotted out his very fine people line again in regard to uh, the, the terrorists in, uh, in Michigan. These are his people. When they're not carrying guns, they're carrying anti-Semitic signs. 
So, just so you know, that is something that is happening. Some people see an epidemic, a pandemic. Others see an opportunity. How little we know about this thing is just astonishing. Because haven't you wondered why um, some countries seem to, you know, be taking it on the chin? That'd be us. But we know why. I mean, just total. We have no leadership. We are a people being asked to, to do this in an ad hoc fashion because we have no federal government. But um, weird things like I saw that there were like next to no cases in Lebanon. I saw the other day that in the Gaza Strip there are next to no cases, even though that is supposedly such a dense, you know, a lot of people on a little strip of land. How could it not be? They have cases, but very few. And initially you heard about Iran really having a terrible, terrible uh, number of cases and deaths. You didn't hear anything about Iraq next door. So epidemiologists have been trying to figure out what the hell is happening where this thing seems to just batter some areas and then doesn't do much anything in others. And the fact that they really can't answer that question shows you how totally uh, clueless we still are about this thing. How some seemingly healthy people can be felled in days And others can carry it and not even know they have it. So they think it has to be age is one of the things. If you have an older population, you're probably going to see, you're going to be at the top of the list of the most cases. But Japan has one of the oldest populations in in the world. And it is not at the top of the list. Although, you know, Africa has the world's youngest population by continent. But Africa also has had a lot of experience with killers like this. with HIV, with, with Ebola, with, they know the drill. And it turns out that Africa, where you're not seeing as big a, you know, we thought, oh, what will happen in those poor countries that don't have the infrastructure, the health care we have. But the fact is, is what they have is, yeah, muscle memory. And they, they have experience. And so um, Sierra Leone, Uganda, all these African countries were taking temperatures of people getting off airplanes long before we were. 
Senegal, Rwanda, they closed their borders long before other countries did. They do contact tracing. Man, they know how to do it. Sometimes the lack of infrastructure, the lack of public transportation systems in developing countries means the virus can't spread as readily. So it is just, they can't figure it out. Another country with a young population is Ecuador, and Ecuador has, um, has a huge outbreak. Only 11% of its residents are over 60 years of age, and yet they've, they're a hot spot. Now, it could be also that Arab countries and a lot of Asian countries, Muslim and, um, and Hindu countries that aren't into, you know, hugging, kissing, shaking hands, cultural factors like social distancing that's sort of built into the culture would perhaps be helping. The fact that in a lot of countries in the world, they do not put their elderly in nursing homes. They keep them at home. And consequently, they don't have these horrific outbreaks in the nursing homes. Here in western Pennsylvania alone, that, that is where we have seen the most death old, vulnerable people away from their families because culturally that's what we do. Now, if you don't have that, because in these other cultures you keep your old at home, then you don't have that essentially dry tinder of susceptible people. So I don't know, you know, the more you, I'm sure you're all reading too, you read this stuff and you think, wow, we don't know nothing. We really don't. A little bit unsettling, isn't it? We like to think we do know. I got a kick out of this. Um, Lawmakers in Louisiana, uh, Oh, phooey. I don't have it here. Anyway, they voted. They voted by mail. The legislature in Louisiana met and voted by mail on a bill to keep people in Louisiana from voting by mail. (laughs) You can't make it up. I also want to uh, point something out that I'm hardly, um, you know, the first to do. Um, and, and that is, again, these pictures of these um, demonstrators, these terrorists, these extremists. And you see pictures of them right up in the faces of these police officers. Right up, I mean, they're in their faces, they're screaming at them, they're, they're, they're in some 
cases, getting physical, right? And yet, they are referred to as protesters and I guess next to none of them have been arrested for anything. Nobody's been shot. And compare and contrast that to, like, let's say, Ferguson, Missouri, and black people protesting, understandably, the shooting of one of theirs, one of their children. And they are not called protesters. They're called what? Rioters. They're called thugs. They end up getting arrested, shot, tear gassed, you name it. If ever there was a more clear-cut picture of the difference in how white people are treated when they're exercising their First Amendment rights to assemble, to protest, versus how black people are treated for doing the same. Black people are immediately seen as dangerous. Immediately seen as a threat. The white people with their guns. None of the black people in Ferguson were armed to the teeth like these guys. And the police somehow didn't feel frightened by the white guys and their long rifles. But black people, even little black boys on playgrounds with a fake gun in their hand, white cops are so scared to death, they kill them without even saying hello first. You look at the pictures of the healthcare workers in New York who are putting their lives on the line and who are dying, and so many of them, the majority, it seems to me, are not white. They're black. They're brown. And the essential workers, they're black and brown too. Way out of proportion with their measure of the population. Boy, anyone who doesn't see American racism just starkly now. is willfully blind. David says the Boogaloo is the right-wing version of Charles Manson's Helter Skelter. Yeah. A big, epic-defining race war. 
Well, that's what they've been trying to foment. Donald Trump was a gift from God for them. Um, And they're viewing the pandemic as this too. But you see, we're... These people are also, by virtue of not following direction, not staying home, not wearing masks, and they are only going to prolong this for all of us. They are going to ensure that America's death toll continues to lead the world. And, you know, when you create stupid like we've been creating stupid for generations now. People who live only on what? Entertainment, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. The virus is still spreading, even as, of course, we see these um, idiot governors opening up their, in fear and having been successfully intimidated by the domestic terrorist, um, every public health expert is just freaking out. Even Dr. Burks on Fox News this weekend said that when she saw the video from the Michigan um, protest, She said she found it devastatingly worrisome. Yeah, because those idiots, every single one of them, are going to help spread this. Not mitigate it, not do what we were trying to do. And... The former, uh, former commissioner at the Food and Drug Administration, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, has said mitigation did not work as well as we expected. And he's referring to the fact that because you had so many people in this country, including the president and the vice president and a lot of Republican governors, refuse to listen to the science. Mitigation did not work as well as we expected here. You can see this slow simmer explode into a new epidemic or large outbreaks. It can ignite at any time. Yeah, well, and that is why Dr. Burks is devastatingly worried. And then they're telling us this ain't going anywhere anytime soon. So these uh, folks who can't take a six-week lockdown, I wonder if they're good for six months. Hmm? These are Americans. They're used to getting what they want. And there's enough people on social media that are very much intending to use their discomfort, impatience, fear for their own ends. And we have uh, the president's top economic advisor, of course, a former uh, right-wing television personality, Larry Kudlow. You have him saying 
that uh, they are in no rush to push push any other financial aid package. We're in a pause period right now, says Larry Kudlow. Well, that's interesting because the virus ain't in a pause period. People not knowing how to pay their rent or where to get food is not in a pause period. But they're in a pause period. We have, I believe, a phone call. Hello? Hello, Lynn. Yeah? Hello, Lynn. Hello. Um, Did you ever find out that guy, John, the 100-year-old, how he got his own parade? I mean, who he was? No, I suspect he wasn't anyone in particular. I suspect he had people who contacted a city council person and said, is there anything, and the city council person said, well, we can certainly have a proclamation made of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And who knows? I don't know. He, I don't know who he was, and nobody there gave me his. But you're right. I'm sure a lot of people maybe wouldn't have gotten that, but the the neighbor who was holding the sign didn't lead me to believe he was anybody special. It must have been somebody special to get cops and motorcycles and ambulances. Well, I don't know. Good for him anyway. You know what I was thinking, too, because we were talking before about that. He's a guy, that guy, that 100-year-old guy. I was looking at him. He was born during the last pandemic, 1918 Spanish flu. Yeah, he was which went on man. for two years, two or two and plus years. So he came into this world during a horrible pandemic, and there he was. He lived to see another. So, well, did you see what the uh, Maryland governor did about getting a mask for his state? Yeah, he went to. Um, uh, he went it to Korea, um, and then yeah, I did. He's married. His wife is Korean, and right. she has connections. I guess. God. Well, what happened was um, the governor of Massachusetts. <clears throat> excuse me. He got a plane load of masks that was sent to Massachusetts. And when the plane got there, the FBI was there, and they confiscated everything on the plane. It's an outrage. Yeah, so he turned around, and he got Robert Kraft, you know, the owner of the Yeah, that's right, to go and get another shipment. Yeah. So this guy from... From Maryland, right. What did he do? He's got him in an undisclosed location. Oh, he called out the National Guard. He's a Republican uh, governor. He called out the National Guard and the state police to lock down this plane when it landed. So nobody was getting close to it. And then they carted the stuff off to some, like you said, undisclosed place. So nobody can come in and take them. Isn't that something? This is the United States federal government. He's defending his plane against. 
He is defending his plane and the lives of his people against the Trump administration, which refuses to do anything to help. Isn't it the Trump administration that told the governors you're on your own? You find you're that. There, there's no stockpile for you that we control. That's our stockpile. You get your own stuff. And then when they do, the FBI, the Home Department of Homeland Security, tries to confiscate and does? No, you've got well, they- I mean, it's you know you couldn't make this up and if we can possibly when this is over get our government back um god head should roll i mean it is it is unbelievable we have to do that in november to get the government back on loose let's said hope. still another three months but that guy gotta go Six months. And if you if you remember, Lynn, uh, a while ago, I asked you if you named your dog after the song, Me and You. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue. Well, I thought of another dog named Blue. If you remember the movie Cool Hand Luke? Yeah. Well, when he was, after he escaped, and, you know, the hounds were chasing him, yeah. and he was jumping over the fence back and forth, back and forth, and the one hound dog died, and the guy's holding him, and he's crying. He's, Look what he did to Blue. Oh, wow. <laughs> there is oh. another dog named Blue. There is another dog named Blue. I think there's a lot of them from the, yeah. You, you don't happen to have a a joke today, do you? Are you my you joke guy? Hear one? Yeah. This boy comes back to school after a summer vacation. And the teacher asked him, well, where did you go? Well, we went to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And she says, oh, that's nice. Could you tell the class how to spell that? And he thought for a minute, and then he said, well, really, we went to Ohio. (laughs) Keep smiling, honey. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. You help. Thank you. (laughs) Roger writes, your comment about how wonderful it is to see people playing music on their front porches and that some neighbors might be annoyed by it reminded me of good friends of ours celebrating their youngest son's high school graduation 12 years ago on a Saturday night. All three of their children are very good bagpipe players. (laughs) Oh, God. They celebrated late into the night. There you go. I'm talking violins and, you know, clarinets. <laughs> uh, oh, and then he's saying, Monday morning I picked up a coworker who lives close by and asked how her weekend had gone, and she said it was okay, except Saturday night she didn't get any sleep because some jerks were playing bagpipes all night long. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Yeah. And Roger says, regarding the jerks demanding freedom, can you imagine what might happen if people like us showed up in masks and gloves, countering their ridiculous argument, um, armed to the teeth? Well, people like us, white people? Uh, Oh, what if we had dark skin? Oh, yeah, well, then. I mean, no, you can see, black people don't have the same right to uh, assemble and protest. Uh, in this country as white people do. You can see that quite clearly. Jeez. Uh, 
little Tony says, what kind of people are these that proclaim their ignorance with guns? Well, they're pathetic. They're scared and they're uneducated. I don't know what the hell they are. People can protest without guns peacefully. They think their definition of freedom is their right to have their gun. And, I mean, you know that. For the Second Amendment types, that is the freedom they value above all others. And they feel safe with their guns. Remember when this first started and people were racing to buy guns and get gun permits and ammo and all this stuff because some people immediately went to, ah, people are going to come and they're going to try to take my food and my my money and my stuff. There's going to be chaos. And that's the only thing they can imagine. A gun protecting them. But a gun doesn't protect from a virus. And there has been a drop, an incredible drop in crime in this country since this happened. Quite the opposite of their dark view of what the world would be or is. Um, I think I do have some more callers. Do I have a caller? Yeah. If I do, hello. Yeah. Lynn, it's David from Hampton. How are you? I am fine, David. Yeah, the spring is, uh, I don't know, I can kind of look away from the virus for a little while when I'm I'm out looking at the the wildflowers, you know. Oh, gosh, God bless them. But it it all seems so, yeah, so sort of dissonant, you know. Oh, the beauty of it. And then yet you can't, whatever. No, you're right. I shouldn't rotting, bring in a negative. Un- yes, the rotting underbelly. <laughs> <laughs> On top, it looks great. No, because nature is, you know, it shows us nature triumphs. N- you know, nature is going to have the last laugh here. Well, well, you know, it is calling the uh, the population, uh, as you've repeatedly pointed out, the population on the earth. It's only supposed to hold so many people. Well, we've been told for how long that we're in the, what is it, the sixth great uh, extinction. I mean, you know, the dinosaurs went in, I don't know what number that was. But we, personally, um, humans and our activity has been killing off species by the thousands, and now it turns out, you know, we could be one of the species that we knock off, because this is our doing. No, even if Trump wants it to be, it's all the Chinese fault, but yeah, it's our doing, humans. Well, you know, he's very good at the bluff, you know. It's, yeah, uh, he, he just kind distraction. Of pulls, pulls the gray curtain over our eyes, or at least makes the effort to. Yeah. Uh, Hey, um, did you? I, I, could, I couldn't remember hearing on your show if you'd pointed this out that the wall um, in Mex- across Mexico. The wall! Wow, what a blast from the past! What? It, um, they have to open those gates. There's gates in that wall, so it doesn't get swept away by the spring. Um, by the spring, I guess in the in that part of the country, um, when it rains in the. There's- 
oh. in the spring. It can wipe. It can it can knock things over, <clears throat> and they actually have to open these gates uh-huh. and leave them open. And uh, so you know, I don't know if there's enough of these border agents to to watch the gates when they're open, but uh, it's an interesting concept. I, I you know um, that that actually. Now they're opening these gates to let the immigrants through. Um, well, it's case. okay. I hadn't heard anything about that. It just seems so. I don't know. Um, it's not like uh, a priority. Never was a priority in my head. The the wall. I've heard yeah. too that this wall that they have built, the parts, the little pieces here and there, that uh, this wall has been breached a number of times. Well, when there's a strong wind, which no, 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 I'm talking about people tunneling under it. Oh yeah, yeah, getting over it. I mean, it was yeah, it was bull from beginning to end. Pieces blow off of it, you know. Yeah, wonderful. uh, Some some contractor got rich, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah, wonder what party he voted for. Yeah, Yeah. well, absolutely. He was throwing money toward one of the packs, but yeah. Well, it's thank you for that piece of information. I had not heard. Hadn't lovely, heard it. Lovely uh, hearing you every day, and especially nice to get you on the phone. Well, thank you. It was nice of you to call. I appreciate years. it. I, the last time I talked to you, uh, uh, Scott Shalloway was still in Pittsburgh, and he was, <laughs> his, he was doing his radio show, too. Oh, I used to have Scott on. Uh, you know, he was the naturalist and... Yeah. Uh, he wrote for the Post Gazette, and then you both went off of these low frequency radio stations into, yeah. the, into the abyss, and uh, <laughs> and he never he he never came back. But it's lovely that you did. So. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Thank so, you. Hey, uh, thank you. Keep on keeping on, Lynn. I'm trying. You too. Yeah, Enjoy the wildflowers. Thank you. Okay. Right, Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Um. So, what did I want? Oh, oh, oh. I, we can't let the day go without... Um, <laughs> this was fun. When did I read about this for the first time? Sunday or... The Murder Hornets, okay? Now, <laughs> this is one of those stories, and I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, God, here we go. It's like the, you remember the ants that were coming in from South America and we were all going to die? Was it ants? No, bees. Those were killer bees. Killer bees. Killer bees. Um, And somehow that didn't pan out, remember? And, of course, the killer bees were also called African bees. They were Africanized because, you know, those, uh, those bees from Africa are especially, you know, scary. Too much. Anyway, it does turn out that apparently a bug not known to uh, North America has been spotted in uh, western Canada and in upstate Washington state. And it's an Asian, uh, I'm telling you, it's those Asians again, they're trying to kill us. An Asian giant hornet, also called a murder hornet. And just as the killer bees when they first describe this thing, it is friggin' terrifying. And some are suggesting that this information is coming out as a distraction. You're scared about a little coronavirus? 
Well, how about a murder hornet coming your way? So I don't know if it's a distraction. I do believe that these sightings, uh, they do know the bees, the hornets have made it here. And now the thing is, much like the virus, get them contained now or it will be a disaster. It could wipe out our honeybee population. And we already have known that the honeybees are under stress. And if we wipe out honeybees, how that impacts our food supply, not to mention the pretty flowers that the caller was talking about. But there's an extraordinarily graphic description of a beekeeper in Washington State first seeing uh, that these hornets were here. He uh, was just checking on one of his hives, and he came up to the hive, and he sees some dead bees on the ground. He thinks, what the heck? And then he sees, gets closer, and sees literally thousands upon thousands of his bees. Every single one of them decapitated. Their heads torn off. And no sign of their bodies. Just a bunch of bee heads on the ground. Like nightmare stuff. And he said, man, I, I'm, I, I couldn't wipe, wrap my head around what, what, what could have done. He couldn't imagine. Only in a like horror story could he possibly think that. But it turns out that is how these killer hornets kill bees. They decapitate them with their incredible jaws and then they leave the heads this is too much they leave the heads and take the bodies the thoraxes back to their own hives to feed their young and they can wipe out a beehive in like that. So you got scientists now, bug guys, desperately trying to locate these hornets and get them. According to one entomologist, we're going to get our, our science, our scientific specialties straight, right? We now know epidemiology, right? Is about is it just about viruses? I don't know. Epidemiology. And now these guys, these scientists are entomologists and they study bugs. And this chief entomologist in Washington State says 
this is our window to keep this from getting established here. And if we can't do it in the next couple of years, it probably cannot be done. So we're being warned again by this is another warning, warning, warning. Scientists telling us we got a problem here. It will only proliferate. We have got to stop this now or it is going to cause havoc. And this is the kind of warning that we Americans never listen to. Again, because of our mindset, nothing ever happens to us. Ah, yeah, sure, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there ain't going to be no bees. There's just these scary five-foot-tall, you know, hornets. Apparently, with stingers so long, they go right through. They can puncture a beekeeper's suit. And for people who have been uh, stung by them, they say it's the most excruciating sting in the world. And if a bunch of them get on you, you're dead. Um, listen to this. Listen to what the scientists are doing. They're trying to trap some of these uh, giant hornets. They're really looking for the queens. But they say that inside a nest of these Asian giant hornets, the, just the energy and the heat produced by their activity inside the nest brings the temperature inside one of their hornets' nests up to like 86 degrees. So some of these scientists are thinking, hey, let's employ thermal imaging to examine the forest floors in hopes that we will see these spots of hot spots, literally, where these hornets might, might be congregating. They're also looking potentially to track the, by audio, um, when hornets fly in, in groups, they make a, a humming noise that they were hoping they could, they could track with audio. Do you believe that? So all of this is going to be happening. Uh, another potential, just don't, don't anybody ever say that we didn't. I didn't warn you. Now, Asians have been living with this damn hornet for a long time. And what's interesting, I saw this today, that a Japanese honeybees, who know from the murderous uh, hornet, Japanese honeybees have developed over time a system for fighting back. And it is mind-blowing because it is exactly like we're supposed to be doing for the pandemic. It is about not thinking about your own safety, but thinking of yourself. Each honeybee comes more naturally to them. Thinking of themselves as part of the defense machinery part. So when a hornet, one of these damn hornets, enters a Japanese 
honeybee hive. And this has been witnessed by scientists. Hundreds, rather than just sit there and wait to be decapitated, like our honeybees do, because we never saw, our honeybees never saw anything like this. What the hell is this? And then you're, you're dead. But the Japanese honeybees, they're on to it. And over time, they figured out that if they immediately, if, a hun- if one of these hornets comes in, the honeybees gather as many as hundreds, hundreds of bees. And they form a ball with their bodies. They enca- encapsulate with their bodies the hornet. Now, bees are tiny compared to these hornets. And they're nowhere near as strong. But 200 honeybees against one hornet, they now have the advantage in both size and strength if they work as one And so these little bees, the Japanese bees, vibrate in unison as they surround this. They vibrate and produce heat. They raise the temperature in the formation, in that within the ball, like a tiny oven, by just keeping the vibration going. And they can raise the temperature inside to over 115 degrees And bees can survive 115 degrees, but the hornet cannot. After about an hour, can you imagine to kill one hornet? 200 bees, like this, the hornet slowly bakes to death. Our honeybees, though, as I said, they don't have a clue. And little Tony was just saying, well, okay, so the people in Asia have been dealing with these things. How do they? Well, they, um, 50, where did I read that? 50 people a year die in Japan from, um, from these, the hornets kill up to 50 people a year. So they're not as much a, um, a danger. I mean, they're a danger, obviously, to beekeepers is what I would think they would be. But the danger to us is in their killing off our bees more than them killing us. And get this in with Father Joseph. I just saw what time it is. Yowie. Um, Father Joseph says, sometimes it might be worth discussing how a woman can win (laughs) the election for president. Oh, God. We haven't even had one win for vice president. In this state, we haven't even had a senator. We haven't even had, have we had a governor? I mean... I think, Father, Father Joseph says, I think there has to be someone with a populist message that has what I will call crossover value. 
you're heading into what Amy Klobuchar. President Obama never said, yes, African Americans can, or yes, interracial Americans can, but rather, yes, we can. Hillary Clinton chose to talk about breaking glass ceilings and being a trailblazer for young girls. That's great. But what about young boys, young boys of color, or young girls and boys of any color who are of the Muslim faith or coal miners' kids from West Virginia? You really need a populist message. I think, Father, rather than using the loaded term populist, I would use the word inclusive. Because populist, too often it seems in our country's politics, um, very has a very close jump to right-wing neo-fascism. Populism in this country is never seen as a left kind of a thing. Um, it's just communism. But populism, when, when, populism often seems to be, it's just a loaded word. I would, if I'm getting your point, and I think I am, I wouldn't use it, that word, I would use inclusive. Yes, we can was an inclusive message. Um, but I bet a lot of white nationalist types and even just plain old white people who don't even realize how bigoted they are, when they saw Yes, We Can from uh, Obama's campaign, they saw it as a taunt of Yes, We Black People Can. I bet that's what they saw. They weren't sure who, they, they didn't think that we uh, included them. They couldn't imagine it. I don't know. So I'm arguing with your email. Anyway, not really. I mean, I, I agree. I think you've got a good point here. You really need, again, this inclusive message that bridges rather than focuses on one specific group. I agree. The irony is that Hillary is a feminist. It's my understanding feminism advocates for the equality of both genders. Yeah, there's your message. It's worth a discussion. Who can bring, who can bridge these societal gaps? And it's that kind of inclusive, I'm taking your populace out, it's that inclusive message that could win the day for our first uh, female president. I, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I really don't disagree with you. All right, I'm going to go as soon as I give you the depressing new numbers. We finally got over 100. Okay. Uh, Allegheny County numbers, which are probably, as I said, uh, multiply by 10, uh, except for the deaths, because all even the deaths probably aren't quite right and are more so. Uh, now, say, 1,365 confirmed cases in Allegheny County, 240 hospitalizations, by the way, that's past or present. 240 people have been hospitalized. It doesn't mean there's 240 currently hospitalized. There's less, fewer, excuse me, hospitalized. And uh, right now they're showing 102 uh, deaths. Uh, 
And the largest age range in the fatal category is 25 to 49. So, whatever that means. Um, Okay. Well, I got a lot more stuff I didn't get to, but there's always tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to try to get out in some of that sun, even though it's a little chilly. Isn't this a cold May? Whatever happened to that global warming? It's cold. All right, you guys, that's it. Um, I got slightly more coherent as the show went on, so thank you very much for sticking with me. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Have a good, safe day. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.